looking at the past few weeks, Revelation 6, it was the opening of the first six seal judgments. And when we, we covered Revelation 7, that was the sealing, or you could say the salvation of 144,000 Jews that turned into evangelists. And then the second half of chapter 7 is the fruit of that 144,000 Jewish evangelists because you have millions being saved in the tribulation. And the Antichrist, the false prophet, doing everything they can do to eliminate them. And you, hence you have John up in heaven viewing all in chapter 7, all the tribulation martyrs. Okay? That in the, all the, the people who stood for their faith in the tribulation and had to die for their faith. And he said they were uncountable. And just to remind you, the seven seals we're talking about, to, to open the seventh seal here, here, that's what we're about to do. Um, remember you had, you had the four horsemen, white horse represented the Antichrist, the red horse, spirit of murder, the black horse, the scales of uh, economic collapse and famine, the pale horse, the power to kill, one-fourth of the earth through war, disease, animal attacks, and famine. We went all over all these in detail. But then the four horsemen were followed by additional judgments. And it's the same way in the trumpets. The, the trumpet judgments are broken into two groups. You have the four trumpet judgments, the first ones, and then you have something called the three woes, W-O-E-S, and so looking at Revelation 8, 1, and when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for the space of a half an hour. This seal is broken. The particular scroll with the seven seals is completely opened. You have complete silence. The elders aren't talking. The angels aren't singing. The tribulation saints that have been martyred, a guillotined in the tribulation, have been led away to the springs of living water by Jesus Christ himself. That's what it says if you take it literally in chapter 7. So you have complete silence for 30 minutes. Verse 2, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. A lot of opinions on these seven angels. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of commentators believe it's the same thing as... We see in Revelation 1.4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, God, grace be unto you, peace from him which was, which is to come, and from the seven spirits before the throne. And so from the seven spirits which are before the throne, you can see how they, oh, these are those seven angels. But Isaiah 11.2, just to remind you, um, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him these are characteristics of the Holy Spirit, not, not the fruits of the Holy Spirit and not the gifts. Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. So many commentators believe the seven spirits before the throne, that is the Holy Spirit and these, same, these seven angels are a totally different thing. I guess we'll find out. We'll find out.
And so they're constantly, these seven angels stand in the presence of God. These are the archangels. We only know the names of two of them, Michael and Gabriel. And these seven angels are handed a trumpet. Verse 3, another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So this is another angel, a whole nother angel, and you have the seven angels are given the seven trumpets. They're standing there. I picture them at attention and, and following the half hour of silence in heaven, and then this whole other angel comes in and stands at the altar, and he's holding a golden censer. And have you ever seen, like, the, the Catholic priest walking down the aisle, and they're swinging that thing, and it's smoke's coming out? That's a censer. And so he's got this censer, and we're reading that there was given unto him much incense. The golden censer was used also in the Old Testament Jewish temple. I assume this is very similar looking, the censer in the temple. Um, it, had, it had charcoal. Charcoal was burning under the incense. The charcoal would warm up the incense. And then you'd have this amazing fragrance. And they think it's speculative if the fragrance, fragrance was uh, frankincense. That's one of the spices that, that Jesus was given as a gift when he was a baby. And this incense was burning, and the Bible says it was mixed with the prayers of all saints. Our prayers, I don't know if that's the current saints that are down there, right? I, I imagine it is, because remember, we're up there. We're already up there for this. And so, you know they're praying, you know, the ones that haven't been, been sent to heaven yet through martyrdom. And the prayers, it says, the prayers of all saints, they have to be precious in the sight of God. But because it's, it's, they have a place in the throne room of God, right before the throne, you have that sweet, odor representing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and if these prayers, looking at the exact wording of all saints, and you can see where, where if it references this golden altar, and I just thought about this, I was like, wow, we, eight chapters, and we have been standing in the throne room of God for three of them, in Revelation, four, five, and now part of this one. And you know, it's interesting because this is just proof that all the items in the tabernacle of Moses in the Old Testament were replicas of what you see in heaven. All these items, the replicas in the tabernacle and the real thing in heaven, these items are types of Jesus Christ's atonement and done for our benefit. And it makes you wonder if these things were in heaven before man even existed. After man and woman were created, God, God, we know that God really made provision 
And it's all centered on Jesus Christ. Remember, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus, and it really just shows the significance that God places in our prayers because you find our prayers going up before God, before the very throne of God. And to get this straight, there are two altars in that tabernacle. That means there's two altars in the throne room of heaven. If everything's a replica of what's in heaven, then there's two altars in heaven. Because when you walk into the tabernacle, the first thing you encounter is something called a brazen altar. And it just seems like we've been in the throne room of heaven so much, so let's just get a blueprint here. If we could pull up that first, that first little blueprint that I, that I have. You can see the gate down here at the bottom where you walk in. There's the brazen altar right when you walk in. Then you've got that laver. That's where they wash their hands. They walk in the door to the holy, holy place. To the left, you've got the, the menorah, the lamp, the golden lampstand. To the right, the showbread. Remember David, he ate the showbread when he was on the run from Saul. He ate that showbread. And then, uh, you see, see, you're in the holy place. There's the altar of incense, the second altar, the golden altar of incense. Then you've got the veil that ripped when Jesus died, and then you've got the ark and the throne of God. This is, what, this is what the throne room looks like. We just read there's a golden altar in heaven just like the, the, the tabernacle of Moses. So going through Revelation in chapter 4, 5, here we are in 8, all these throne room scenes, you might as well get into detail in regard to how things are set up. It's interesting how God had it set up the same way in the tabernacle of Moses. The brazen altar was the altar of sacrifice. Could we get that picture? There's a different look, just kind of like a shot from above. You see that burning altar walking in on this side? That's called the brazen altar. That, that's where all the animal blood was shed to cover the sins of the Israelites. And... You can see that the guy, see the guy after the brazen altar, uh, altar uh, washing his hands, right? That's before he could enter the Holy of Holies, before they could enter the presence of God. And once you enter that holy place to the right, you had it, you see the show bread, it's kind of hard to see. And then on the left, you see that seven branch menorah, that candlestick in the Holy of Holies. Then right before that other veil, you've got that littler altar, the podium-looking thing in front of the last veil. That, that, that's your other altar. That's the altar of incense. This altar is made of pure gold, stands two to three feet high, and it's about a foot square. And remember now, Revelation 8.3, another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer that was given unto him much incense that he should offer it up with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, all right, which was before the throne. And so just looking at that picture, all of this represents something. It's all connected to Jesus. We might as well just talk about this now, right? And so the, the brazen altar, can we have that picture one more time? You could say that that, that represents the, the once and for all sacrifice, the burning altar. 
that Jesus did for us. The, the labor, labor of bronze is where you wash clean before going into the holy place. Well, we know that veil was ripped upon the death of Jesus, signifying it's free and open to us to walk into his presence. Automatic. It says with boldness. Once, because of that once and for all sacrifice, we're also washed clean, the Bible says, by the washing of the water of the word. And so, so this, this golden altar is what burned the incense. All this to say there are two different altars in the tabernacle. You're going to see two in heaven. When we get up there, see, when we get up there, I'm going to say, see, see, I told you, remember that? Revelation 14, there's the golden Here's the brazen, right? And although the brazen altar, there's no sacrifice that needs to be made any longer. And you can see that in Hebrews, verse 4 in Revelation 8, the smoke of the incense, the perfume, arose in the presence of God with the prayers of the people of God, the saints, from the hand of the angel. So the angel takes this censer, containing hot incense, and the prayers of the saints waves it around. And and it comes up before God, these prayers. It just gives you a different picture. Revelation 8, 5, and 6, the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and another earthquake. Verse 6, the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, here they go. Focusing on verse 5, you have the phrase, the angel takes the censer, fills it with fire of the altar, and casts it into the earth. The types and shadows here are so numerous. Think about this. You know on that brazen altar where they sacrificed those lambs? Um, that you saw right when you walked into the tabernacle? Um, the lambs that were sacrificed on that brazen altar, they're just an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. You know that. The pouring out of the blood of the lamb, then the death of the lamb was all a shadow of Jesus, was all meant to point to Jesus. The lamb that was sacrificed on the brazen altar after it was killed was skinned. What's that a type of? The sinner being complete, before they're saved, being completely naked before God. When the lamb was sacrificed, they pulled its entrails out. They were removed. How does that connect with Christ? Because that's just saying that sin is not just an outside problem. It literally eats away the bitterness, the unforgiveness. All types of sin will eat away at your insides. The carcass of the lamb was placed on the brazen altar where it was burned, which is a type of the judgment of God that came upon Jesus instead of coming on the human race. And what is amazing about this is God actually pays this price himself. In verse 6, you have seven angels preparing to blow the trumpets. And one commentator said seven angels preparing themselves to blow these seven trumpets, and he believes this will take place, although no one knows for sure, between two and two and a half years into the tribulation. Two and in two and a half years. Verse seven, the first angel sounds, 
What happens on that first trumpet? The hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees was burnt up, and all the green grass burned on, on all the earth. The first trumpet judgment. And more and more as we move into the tribulation, the people that are still down here on earth are going to come to a realization that this is all true. I mean, that's why we're doing this. To, to try to get people for, to, to, to not be still down here for this. The phrase, there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. You know, in, in studying Revelation, the millennialists that don't believe in a rapture, don't believe in an antichrist, think they're going to usher in the second coming because they're going to take all, all over, over all the governments and, and all that. Um, they, they explain this away by saying, oh, uh, hail, fire mingled with blood is, is, is a symbol of false teaching. Okay. But as we see this, burns up one third part of the trees and all the green grass. I remember the seventh plague on Egypt when Moses was trying to get Pharaoh to release the two and a half million uh, Israelites that were in slavery to the Egyptians. God rained hail, fire on Egypt as a seventh plague. Remember he um, rained hail, fire, and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to cause all kinds of shortages, lumber shortages, losing one-third of the trees, uh, burn up a lot of the grain that's used for food, completely disrupt the whole balance of nature, and I'm sure CNN will still be blaming it on climate change at that point, two and a half years into the tribulation. And think about it, today when we hear about forest fires, you always hear the damage being measured in acres, miles, this is going to be measured in countries and possibly continents. Verses 8 and 9, the second angel sounded is it out, is it, as it were a great mountain. doesn't say it was, as it were a great mountain, burning with fire, cast into the sea. Third part of the sea became blood. The third part of the creatures which were in the sea that had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. So this brings salt water devastation, something massive and poisonous, and burning lands in the sea. It could be a meteor. A natural disaster is a random result from an impersonal world. This is not a natural disaster. This, the Bible says this was thrown into the sea. Something had to throw this into the sea out of the spiritual realm. And there had to be a tsunami because one-third of the ships on all the oceans were destroyed in 2016. This is a 2016 number. 50,000 ships, not little boats, big ships, were on the oceans at one time, approximate. That, that means 17,000 ships with their crews will be destroyed when this thing hits the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean. What's interesting about this great mountain, it's not just uh, the size, but it's made up of something. 
because it causes the sea to turn to blood. One third of the sea life is destroyed. And while whole economies of countries um, that operate on large coasts are going to be destroyed, fishing businesses, companies, uh, verse 8, 8, uh, and the second angel sounded as it were a great mountain. And you can see some translations say something like a great mountain hits the sea, burning mountain. Some commentators believe this is a nuclear missile. 1994, there was a comet by the name of Shoemaker-Levy 9 on July, in July of 94 that uh, broke into two dozen mountain-sized chunks, fragmented, slammed into the planet Jupiter, and created a 2,000, multiple 2,000-mile-high fireballs. Blackened images of the planet's cloud tops you could see from back, backyard telescopes. But one thing for sure is whoever is here will be able to watch this because of instant satellite locations and everyone in the world will be aware of what's going on. And I can tell you there will be many that read these scriptures in the Bible and, now, and, and, and exactly they will know exactly what's going on and they will also know that they missed the easy way out. And this, most commentators believe this affects all the oceans of the world. Romans 8, 10, and 11. The third angel sounded, there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. It fell from the third part of the rivers upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star was called Wormwood. A third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And so this is quite interesting, quite disputed. I'm going to give you different opinions here. The word star in the Greek, it can mean actual star, but it can also mean an angel. That word star. And we know most stars are bigger than the planet Earth. So it's probably not a star. Just giving you the different opinions. Many scholars believe that the star that we have here falling from heaven, they believe it's absolutely Satan. Because he's a fallen angel, and you're going to see as we get in to either next week or the week after, some things are going on in heaven, right? And so they think this is Satan, these commentators, falling from heaven, hits the ocean. The Bible calls this wormwood. The Russian word for wormwood is Chernobyl. Worldwide, you have 100 large rivers. In the U.S., you have 30 large rivers, and just to give you all the information, scientists have identified an asteroid they call uh, the Apophis, A-P-O-P-H-I-S, Google it. The asteroid will make a close encounter with our planet April 13th, Friday, April 13th, 2029. It will pass within just 19,000 miles. 19,000 miles in space is considered inches. NASA, when they first saw this, said it's going to hit the earth, April 13th, 2029, and then they backed up on that and said, no, no, it's just going to be a close call, but there are many world-renowned mathematicians and scientists 
they're openly saying they're hiding this. They just don't want the panic. It is going to hit the earth. This is April 2029, April 13th. You don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. And they're, they're trying, these scientists and mathematicians are saying they're just trying to keep people from freaking out. Is this wormwood? I have no idea. But 19,000 miles is 10 times closer than the moon, all right? And so this, this water will kill people. One-third of the fresh water is tainted on earth now. Most people at this point will not be able to obtain drinkable water. And I guess, I guess 2029, you know, we, I get, get, get emails, well, 2029, if if we're two and a half years into the tribulation in 2029 and wormwood hits, well, that, that, that means, that, means uh, the rapture didn't come on a Shemitah year. How does that line up with the Shemitah years? You know, not all scholars that know a lot more than me believe in the Shemitah thing. I'm just, can I just be straight with you? It's not all about the Shemitah. <laughs> we don't know. Oh, is it? Well, it didn't come in 2021, 2022. Got to wait for the next Shemitah. Nothing happened until 2029. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't throw all your eggs in the Shemitah basket. <laughs> Not to disrespect uh, anybody that does the Shemitah thing. I just, when studying this, I found out there are so many knowledgeable people that just like, no. Nah. And so, you know, because people wrote in, you know, on the podcast, well, why are you calling it 20? If you're saying this is Wormwood, and I'm not saying it's Wormwood, then, then what's going on? Because that's a Shemitah year, or the year after, you know, you got 28, 20, 28, 20, 29, a year later, because Joshua stopped the sun, right? So it could have caused that to all that, and no one knows if he's coming in a Shemitah year. No one knows, all right? And so, Revelation 8, 12, the fourth angel sounded, third part of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the light, night likewise. So you have a third of the sun, third of the moon, third of the stars going dark, and you could be sure that one of the reasons it got darker is from the smoke of all the, the grass and the trees burning up, uh, the after effects of the nuclear war, brought by smoke, dirt, and debris into the atmosphere. Look back at the sixth seal judgment. And in Revelation 6, 14, you have the sky rolling up like a scroll, is what John said. That's, that's a nuclear weapon. That's what happens when a nuke hits. So I think it's fairly clear what happens there. Revelation 8, 13, I beheld an angel. I heard an angel. Some translations say eagle flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of other voices of the trumpet and of the three angels. By reason of the other voices of the trumpet and the three angels, which are yet to sound, he's saying, woe, 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 because of what's coming. Now remember, one third of the light is gone now from the last trumpet. And, and I'm just, I'm, we're going to get into this next week and a lot of the old school guys think that think that that suddenly in the middle of the trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation, 
that God is going to replay the whole Lucifer being cast out of heaven. Okay? They say, oh, that's just the original. And most people tell me that, oh, the devil is not allowed up there anymore like he was with Job. He's not allowed up there, right? Remember devil, God's like, you know, have you seen Job? Job, right? And, and, and well, why would we need an advocate? Why do we need a lawyer up there? Do you understand? Well, then we don't need a lawyer. If he's not allowed to come up, go up there and accuse, remember what happened to Ahab? Those spirits were up there and God looks at them all and says, I'm done with Ahab. I'm finished with Ahab. Who wants a piece of Ahab? And this lying spirit steps out and said, I'll, do, I'll, lie, I'll lie to him, I'll lie to him, and I'll get him killed. You know, okay. So you had this, this scene, right? And most people believe that's not going on. But I'm telling you, I'm going to prove to you, regardless of the old school people, that this is where the devil was cast out of heaven in Revelation. And that angel is saying, oh, whoa, look what's coming. Okay? Look what's coming. And so I already gave away the sermon next. The, actually, it's not next week. Um, it's, it's, I have the weekends of 11th and 12th of February and the 25th and 26th of February. Um, they, they did not think that, that bringing all the visitors into living word, that they would be ready for this Noah building an ark type sermon, right? Okay, so that, that's not the time for this. I don't know, you might get a lot... And so Mac took that Saturday night, okay? And so just quoting a guy named uh, J.H. Melton, this prophecy expert, he says, long was the old world left to drive its crimes, jeer at Noah's odd notions, and fling defiance in the face of God, but presently the earth broke down beneath their feet and their lifeless bodies bashed upon each other amid the waves of an ocean world. The trampled law will assert its rightful honor and Christ will not endure the smiting, taunts, and wrongs of Pilate's Hall forever. Pilate's Hall is where he was judged. And when these trumpets give out their clangor, the vibrations will run through the universe and everything created for human blessedness turns into a source of disaster and trouble to them that know not God and obey not the gospel of Christ. Sometimes I really do feel like Noah preaching this stuff, especially visitors, you know, or if atheists come in and they've never really heard this. Quoting Hal Lindsey, it's a sobering fact that if people will not give their hearts to Christ now, while it is still so easy and such a small cost is involved, when the tribulation judgment set in, although people can still be saved, it will be so by fire. David Hawking, our present generation, has no desire to hear these things or believe them. Our present generation wants to be stroked and reminded of their self-worth and potential for success. But the real issue has not changed. Heaven, hell, life, death, 
and where you will be for eternity. You know, this came from a, a Facebook post that Pastor Keeve actually sent, one of our pastors sent it to me. It's from a guy named Ron Pagel. And he's, he says, uh, I just, if, as, as we start to close here, um, he says, can we put that sculpture up at Jesus? The, the medical, American Medical Association published an article, The Physical Death of Jesus Christ, long time ago. And, and the details, the entire process of Jesus' trial to his death on the cross. And in Luke 22, before Jesus is arrested, it is written that he was in great distress and sweating blood. Do you know what that comes from? It's called, it's called uh, hematidrosis. It comes from fear and anxiety. And yes, I think constant fear being dominated by fear is a sin, right? The Bible says it. But in this case, he is wrestling with, he got a picture of what was gonna happen. And he is sweating blood in high amounts. And at the time, the crucifixion was considered the worst death for the worst of criminals. The worst of criminals. This is not all he faced. He endured the whipping so severe it tore flesh from his body. He was beaten so horrific that his face was torn and his beard was ripped, ripped off. But the Roman soldiers, they all took a shot. They were, they were, they were mocking him. And they took that reed, that they gave him a, a reed, and they took it out of his hand, and, and they were hitting him. And, and it, he was marred. He, the, that word marred means unrecognizable in the Hebrew. He, he was unrecognizable before he even got to the cross. And what blew my mind is Pilate brought him back out after, after the, the scourging and, and, and that beating by the Roman soldiers and the thorns beaten into his head, brings him back out and shows him to the Jews thinking, I bet they have mercy on him. That's why he did it. He said, behold, you're king. And he thought, they, now that they see him, they'll let him go when they see how bad this is. And they're screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Anyways, I never realized that, that, that Pilate, after the, the Roman soldiers beat him up after the scourging, he brought him back out and said, what do you think now? He figured they would let him go. And he was beaten so horrific that his, his face was, was torn to pieces and and, and the crown of thorns, two, inch, two, two to three inches long, deeply cut in his scalp. The leather whip used to flog him had tiny iron balls, little barbells. Looked like little barbells. And, sh and, and, and bones from sheep and the, boss, the balls called internal, caused internal injuries. The bones ripped through his flesh, his skeletal muscles, his veins, his bowels were exposed, causing major blood loss. Even, uh, he says, my heart, is melted like wax in my bowels. Most uh, commentators believe he lost control of his bowels. Because of that, Psalm 22 
prophecy, and, and, and most men aren't going to survive this. They're, they're not going to survive this. And at, that's why Jesus was really, or Pilate also, something I didn't notice, was surprised that he was already, that, that was surprised that he was dead so fast, right? Because they're supposed to live longer than that. They're supposed to live longer than he lived. And after Jesus was severely flogged, he, he had to carry his cross. People were mocking him, spitting at him. Um, and so nails eight inches, at least eight inches, driven into his wrist and feet. And so at, at some point, that tendon, it does rip. And it, it's hard for him to um, pull up to breathe in, right? It's hard, or, or it's hard for him to hang to breathe in, and then he, to breathe out, he goes up on his feet to breathe out. And that's what he did. He breathed for you for six hours, up and down, up and down. And eventually, the, the, it's supported. That breathing is only made to happen by the strength in your back muscles when the tendons in your, uh, in your wrist give. And so the, the pain, the courage, for six hours, the Gospel of John writes that the, that the Roman soldier pierced his side with a spear, blood and water came out. They're explaining this, scientists, that's hypovolemic shock. It's, it's the rapid heart rate causes his heart beating so fast. It causes fluid to gather in the, in the sac around the lungs and the heart. So that's why you got a mixture of water and blood um, the gathering of the fluid in the membrane around the heart is called pericardial effusion. And really, you could say that Jesus died from a ruptured, his heart ruptured. He died from a broken heart. Most, most crucifixion victims died because uh, they did not have energy to push up anymore where they could breathe out. So they would suffocate. Okay? But, but and so, it's when you're, Confronted by the reality of the cross, it was, it was not a pretty sight. It was brutal. It was horrific. This is the weight Jesus carried, the weight of the sins of the world. But also think about this so he could, so you could have a relationship with the Father. That veil ripped. So God's wrath fully satisfied. And all we have to do is repent and believe. Believe that Jesus is, is, was made God among us. Believe that Jesus is our Savior. That Jesus loves you that much. He went through this spiritual and physical punishment for all of our sins. And I've had two interesting situations uh, as, we, as we close here. Um, uh, first was uh, Indonesia. I was with James Tan, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to raise this this little girl that had been hit by a car from the dead. She was going to get uh, fresh water across the street. They didn't even have they, could, they didn't have water they could drink in their village, and so um, so we just happened to get there, and she'd only been dead a few hours and this this village was just chaos it was it was it was it was over 100 degrees and and uh 
you know, I was so on fire. I was, I was a student at, at Ramo Bible Training Center in Singapore at that time, but I was in Batam, Indonesia, and, uh, and I was like, let's, let's do it, James. Let's, let's, let's do this. I believe that this can happen. Imagine it would change this whole village. It would, it would change the whole region if this happened. And he's like, I, no, Jim, I don't think, I don't. And I was asking the Lord, I was asking, you know, well, why, why? I, 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 I kind of wrestled with this for weeks, you know. Why, why, why that 10-year-old, why, why? But then I, you know, the Lord's like, well, you know, you pay attention to the father, pay attention to the family. And in, in, in a lot of cases, well, they had three little boys. And if she was the only girl, and if they can't feed their kids, they give the girl up to, in order to feed the boys. And I felt like he was telling me, you know, it's a mercy. <laughs> this is a mercy for what was waiting for her, okay? You wouldn't want to bring her back into this because of the father and, and just after, because I, I got to watch him. I got to watch that family. He didn't care, you know? And, and, and but, you know, they're like, oh, you know, carry the carrier down. The graveyard, you know, it was like a, a four-foot hole. There was no embalming process, none of that. They don't have any of that, okay? And I just, I remember that close, just carrying her. And it had only been a few hours and in that heat, but she was stiff. She was like a board. And then another time, just right here uh, around my house, I was jogging about 15 years ago. And uh, busy road, this camper probably doing 50 miles an hour, hit this little girl on a bike. And I go over, and all traffic stopped, and I, it was just confusion. It was confusion. I think there were a couple of people there got there about the same time as me. She's having a conversation, mumbling something to herself, and it's just, it's a gruesome scene. And then she died. I saw the life just go out of her, you know. Right there, saw it. And it's just, it does something to you. You never forget that moment where you see life leave, you know? Especially, and, and my point is I just, eternity is eternity. This is about eternity. This is about where you go for eternity, not for 70 years, okay? We're not talking about, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um, how you guys talk about, or, or the Catholics talk about, what it, there's, there's no purgatory. You're not going to purgatory, okay? And then, and then you can work your way out of there, or people praying for you, whatever. No, it's not going on. This is whether you, you accept this or you don't accept it. And it's your choice. It's your choice. And so let's, I just, online too, I'm just gonna ask you, Online, because there's a two-minute delay. Hit that button. Say, I want to ask him to be my Savior and be my Lord, if not for anything else, for my eternal security. 
Because it's easy right now. It's an easy thing. And, and so what I'm going to ask, if you guys would just bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And I just want to ask, if you want to if, if you wanna ask Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Savior and be your Lord, and, and, and ensure your eternal security, raise your hand now. Because everyone's heads are, are bowed and their eyes are closed. Please raise your hand now and let me see. I see the one, the, the one hand towards the back to my left. Are there any other hands? And remember, online, let me know. Hit that button. Show me online. Yes, I want to say this prayer. It's just a prayer. It's just a prayer. Are there any other hands outside of the one that I saw? Raise your hand now. If you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Savior, and be your Lord, because this is, this is, this is why we're talking about this subject. I do see the hand in the back to my left. You can put that hand down. Are there any other hands? And if there's any hands online, it's just a prayer. Nobody's going to ask you to come up here. You're going to say the prayer right in your seat. Just like the thief on the cross on one, to one side of Jesus, he looked at Jesus and said, will you, he just said, remember me. And Jesus said, I'll see you in heaven today. That's all this prayer is doing. It's saying, remember me. Remember me. I believe in you. Remember me. Just making sure we got more than, if, if there's more than the one. Besides the one in the, in the back there. We have zero hands online. I think you just need to be thorough with this. There were five last night. One today. Is there anyone else? Okay, if we could just repeat this prayer after me. And this is very, for that person that raised their hand, and even if you didn't raise your hand, this is between you and God right here. Just... Please repeat after me. Dear God in heaven, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died for my sins on the cross and was raised from the dead three days later. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart to be my savior and be my Lord. Thank you for saving me now. Amen. Amen.